Welcome to the Bell Ringers Teaching Podcast. Hello and welcome to Bell Ringers, a teaching podcast to activate your school day. My name is Young Kim and I am a recently graduated, soon to be future educator. My name is Kaylin Bullock and I am an instructional technology coach and former high school and middle school social studies teacher of young and other students. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so for today's bell ringer, reflect on the following question. What is the best way to set up your classroom? Yeah, that's a good question. What are, as you as a soon-to-be educator, what are your initial thoughts? Have you, have you given any thought to the different ways to mm-hmm. set up a class? Well, I understand that it's probably realistic that I'm just going to be given what I'm given and I have to make the best of it. But ideally, I'd want... You know, a projector, and as far as seating, I would want my desk arrangements and seating arrangements to be flexible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yeah, I think you bring up a good point that you're kind of uh, stuck with whatever furniture is in there, and Mm -hmm. As you know, from my classroom, the same furniture, I I had the dreaded, I had the worst thing, which was like the traditional desk that had the connected chair. So Mm -hmm. you could not disconnect the chair from the table. It was all one clunky thing. Um, And so I was stuck with those. However, Mm -hmm. I... I tried to be creative. You know, I didn't, um, I did have rows a lot. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I would do, I would do, I I played around with the spacing. So while they were traditional rows, I would try to put like two sets of desks, two rows close together so that it could easily be, you know, used for partner work or you could, fairly quickly turn the desks and have a group of four Mm -hmm. um i would try to i i tried different like clusters of four it was really hard to make those because like there's an easy side to enter from in those Mm -hmm. desks and so it was oh yeah it was rough it was definitely rough and it's like i feel like if anything is evidence of how slow education is to change, it's like those traditional desks and it's, uh, Yeah, I mean, cause those desks will last forever if you take care of it. I know. And even if you don't, they'll, they'll still be around. So do you know what flexible seating is? Yeah. So like that it's kind of the movement of, you wanna have a lot of different kinds of places for students to sit like if they want to be able Mm -hmm. to sit on the ground if they want to be able to stand so higher seating lower seating uh cushions all that and Mm -hmm. 
I'm trying to remember. So I, I hopped on board with that, especially because, you know, any way I can find to get away from those traditional desks that I had. And mm-hmm. so I had like a lower coffee table that I brought in with mm-hmm. a rug. Um, Amazon had some pretty inexpensive stools that I brought. I don't know. I just tried to like scavenge for everything I could possibly find. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you remember that? Were you my student then? Okay. I was not. You were not. I missed out. (laughs) I know. Because I was about to say, I'm like, maybe you were a senior. But but yeah, I was like, that seems like it would have been too, the wrong time frame for when flexible seating became pretty popular. And so um, I remember when I got those things, so I had different areas, kind of a low sitting area if people wanted to sit on the floor and all of that. And I had students, I told them, I'm like, well, in my class, you know, you, you might be working with somebody else or you might be, you know, like there's all these different things. And I, I believe I had students like design the classroom. Like, Hmm. so I have all of these pieces, I have these low pieces, I have these traditional desks, I have this and that, and like, and these are the things you're gonna have to do. And I asked students to design the learning space, and then I chose one of their designs for how I set up the classroom. And was that for all all of your classes, or yes. did you have so, each class? Yes, so, yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, I had, in the smaller school, I had all those different preps. So, yeah, it, the, mm-hmm. the person I chose, or the design that I chose, was the chosen, you know, that's how it was for all of the classes. So, everybody, okay. everybody was involved. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really liked that way, where, I, I always like those beginning of the year things, where you can set the tone for students that this is their classroom too and they're Mm -hmm. gonna be active and they're gonna be learning and it's not just you know teacher dictating all the details from the very beginning yeah um and yeah it's interesting you know there's all sorts of things now that you can buy too or you can i a lot of teachers will sign up for like a donors choose because they have they have the seats you know like that are more of like a bouncy kind of seat or like the wobbly ones right exactly um do you feel like as a student or if you when you think about classmates like i mean i personally like i i guess never really minded whatever seating I didn't think much about it um, mm-hmm. do you think you or people you knew would have like benefited from having more of the opportunity to I guess to be comfortable or like get their fidgeting out <laughs> um, it's really hard for me to say because um, now I'm looking at everything from a teacher's perspective mm. like um even if I tried to imagine myself as a student again, um, most of the time I'm just feeling sorry for all of my teachers and <laughs> wishing that you know things are different and just wondering, oh, well, like why, why would I make my life so hard for my teachers? Like Aww. if I had a spinning chair, like spinning chairs are so fun, but they're so dangerous because <laughs> you can easily just turn around and. 
I, I've been in classrooms that have had chairs that, you, you know, can spin and had wheels on the bottom that can move around and, you know, they're really good and, and, you know, new and everything. But at some point when some of the students are not responsible enough to be looking at you when you're trying to teach up there, that can be kind of frustrating. Yes. Um, I don't know. This I remember from when I was in like middle school and high school because mm-hmm. um, in like science classrooms you might run into those stools and people right. would like kind of rock around and I do remember students would like be messing around on them and they would fall in the middle of class and of course like mm-hmm. get in trouble and so yeah but I know so for instance now as a teacher like um, if I have to sit through an all-day training it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, how, how, could, how do students deal with this, having to sit all day long? Um, so while I am even further removed from being a student than you are, it's like you catch glimpses of how, you know, it would be nice to have the option right. to stand or... Or some, you know, I remember there would be students that really liked to just be on the floor and, you know, to be able to have hmm. that option, too. Yeah. I think um, even though I I guess I was kind of on the... I, I missed out on the flexible seating and everything like that. And even though I aspire to be, you know, a innovative new teacher with lots of good ideas and always looking for ways to focus on student-centered learning. Um, I think it says a lot the fact that I never experienced um, any of that flexible seating. So my idea of a classroom is very um, rigid in terms of desks and seating. Um, And it's kind of like, okay, you have those chairs that are connected to the desks. How can I make the best use of it? Um, And yeah, like I probably show that I'm kind of, I guess, scared of change. Mm. You know, even though I'm entering teaching for the first time, um, I have an established notion of what it means to be a teacher and what classrooms look like, you know? Yeah. Well, and I would, and this is in my own personal journey too, is, and, and this is, I feel like education, uh, I, I feel, I don't, I guess, I think this is true. Um, I think in part because of the role technology now plays in our lives and, mm-hmm. and, and how that has, it ultimately it has to and it should change teaching and learning. Right. And so in my own teaching shifting from a teacher-centered view to a student-centered view and and those desks those darn desks that you know have the chair attached and all that they are just they're optimized and they're begging for a teacher-centered kind of environment right they are best set up when everybody is facing forward eyes on the teacher and as I moved more and more to a student-centered outlook, it's like, you know what, actually they shouldn't be looking at me very much, mm-hmm. you know, like right. the less they're looking at me, the better, the more they're um, 
you know, and this is something I would start with, the more they're talking with each other and looking at each other, not just looking at a device. And I love technology and I, mm-hmm. I had technology centered um, lessons in units, but I even wonder looking back, like were they maybe still looking at technology a little too much? How can there be more co-use and how can there be more, you know, stop and talking <laughs> to people? Um, so anyway, that's that it might sound like, you know, furniture, but mm-hmm. it, it says a lot about your your classroom and your philosophy and, and how you're going to um, communicate things. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. I like the um, when you said uh, something about having students talking more with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that reminds me of my um, university mentor, mm. um, and he taught world history and government, I believe. And in his government classes, he would have his students um, like separated into like the two parties, Republican and Democrats. But he would set up his desks so that they're all facing each other, like the British Parliament. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or actually, sorry, he told a story of how when the parliament building was bombed in World War II, Winston Churchill, he opposed the idea of having that semicircle um, uh. sitting in parliament because he said that the two, the two sides need to look at each other to understand that who um, their, I guess, opposition is mm. and... So when he was doing his government units, he would set up his classroom the same way. What are your thoughts about assigned seating? Hmm. Um, it sure makes taking attendance go by a lot faster. Um, what makes you say that? Just because you know, you can just take a quick look at an empty desk and you know who that is. Mm-hmm. Now, and so you say, oh, this person's not here. Right. But let me, so when I didn't assign seats, and I mean, partly, again, we were a small school. I knew everybody really well, um, mm-hmm. you know, small class sizes, all of that. It was, it was fairly easy to manage. But um, we're creatures of habit. So even though I didn't have assigned seating, Everybody pretty much sat in the same place every day. Right. Yeah. Just saying. So. Did you did you not have assigned seating? See, and this is where it gets blurry that I can't remember. Um, you know, when I had your class versus later in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but there definitely were classes and definitely by senior year most of the time for all the senior like the government class i i would never really assign seats and Mm -hmm. again i think toward the end of my time there i I wasn't ever assigning seats for any group maybe eighth graders maybe middle school they might not be quite ready for their responsibility Mm -hmm. so okay so thinking back then do you recall so how do you make a good seating chart? So if you're going to, you know, because again, yeah, you have your different reasons. There are valid reasons, totally. You know, again, thinking 
a little bit to student-centered thinking that that's a little bit how and why I gave up on you know having assigned seats I want students to be comfortable I want students to feel ownership this is their learning space Mm. But there's also a lot of reasons to have assigned seats um, based on, you know, different needs certain students have anyway. Like maybe they need to be sitting in a certain spot um, for various issues that they might have Mm. or known social issues or just lack of maturity. You know, I think in a younger group, they can't always make great decisions that way. So Mm. what would be some things you would take into consideration for making a seating arrangement? Um, So I think depending on the age group, so when I was student teaching my seventh graders, I took some ideas from one of my seventh grade teachers who um, actually took input from her students in the seating chart. So she would ask us to make a model of our classroom and just like, um, I don't know, just say that, okay, this side is the door, this side are the windows, um, here are the seats, where do you want to sit and who do you want to sit with and maybe write a note of saying like I really don't want to sit next to this person because of this um, and so I took that idea and I had probably a month where the students weren't actually in my classroom and they were going to be doing work in the library so I got to hold on to those papers like I think 102 students Mm. and I just had to filter through the four different classes that I was going to make a seating chart for and ultimately the the things that I took into consideration were just I don't want to sit next to this student because Mm. of this Mm. Um, um, and things that they wouldn't write but I, I knew that some students couldn't see very well and they didn't often bring their glasses so I would have to them near the front um and so just things like um accommodations and uh you know if if some of my students ask to sit next to their friends Mm -hmm. some of them i would let them but for most of them i took that information and used it against them a little bit (laughs) yes like uh aha Yes, there's wisdom. Yes, you at least mm-hmm. took the time and took their input. So I, I do, I remember, I, I know the teacher you speak of. And I do like, you know, to at least give, I mean, as authentic as you can be in asking for student input on that kind of thing. And so that they can at least feel like they had a chance to voice what they wanted, whether or not they get what they want they at least have an opportunity to say their ideal and maybe you don't give it to them every time but maybe once during the year you do give them you know exactly what they want um now you might recall this there was a couple different things I did because I didn't (laughs) I didn't ask for input and I generally would try to do something kind of random so of course I found I had a seating Mm -hmm. chart maker and it would have a randomizer. Mm-hmm. Do you recall any of this? Yep. Okay. Because I feel like you yeah, you all accused um, me of it not being random. <laughs> do you re- <laughs> well, And then you later told me it was... <laughs> ...said that you had to click the, the generate button a couple of times if you saw certain kids with 
um, with other kids that you knew that weren't going to work out. Yeah, it it is true that basically I would, I mean, I would click the random button, but I would click it a bunch of times until I got something that I was reasonably happy with. So I did manipulate the system a little bit. And then there was a strategy, and I wonder, I think it was from another teacher in the class, but I did like this where... Um, and this one was pretty random, but I was okay with that because I do find that's the funny thing. Students really do like to change seats. You know, if they're assigned, they really like to change them somewhat frequently. And as a teacher, I think you're now learning, right? Like that's kind of the last thing you are thinking about is like, oh, I should change seats, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, the strategy was you have like a deck of cards and you put the deck of cards Oh, it, well, two decks of cards. And you, yeah. so you put them out on the desk and then as students come in, you give them a random card and then they find the matching one. And so that's like a, a nice way to be able to mix it up frequently like they want, but not have to like put much thought into it. Right. So anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, that seating arrangements, um, you know, it's one of those things. And it, there was so much to talk about. I know. I'm sure everyone was riveted by this discussion. <laughs> um, so, okay. So you you had a question that you were wondering about. What is your question for the pod? All right. It is. What can you do to make your content relevant to your students? And you can answer this with like a technology piece. I'm sure you were going to do that anyway, but. A a quick answer and with a quick tech tool, I guess, is the website classhook.com. And, Mm -hmm. or it might be classhooks. But it's basically um, a database of different movie and TV show clips. And so you can search, you know, what are you talking about this week? And you can put put that on and, and that kind of engages them. I guess I feel like that's probably different than making it relevant, huh? Um, hmm. And I guess the longer answer that isn't necessarily tech related is I am a big fan Um, Although it's hard to meet the standard all the time, but project-based learning or, or, well, and even problem-based learning, and there's differences between the two. But the more that you can um, present students with a real problem and and help, and and they have the opportunity to solve it, and that's a tough one, and it can be tough, especially with you know history, for example, because it's you know obviously it happened a long time ago. Um, right. And so where I began to land with this, and I don't know how successful or not it was, but I began to land more along the lines of, well, can you create an argument about history and about this topic? Can you defend a position? Um, Because while they might not think the Civil War 
let's say, is relevant to them anymore. Um, they can, you know, what I think that everybody, everybody likes to have an opinion and an argument and have a side. And so I, I felt like by developing those skills that could make things more relevant to students. Um, You, what are your thoughts at this point about making content relevant, especially as we talk about social studies content? Uh, using in my student teaching was looking at here, there, and then back to here by the end of the class, or then, now, and, and back, or now, then, now. Mm. So using that bookending framework to kind of introduce something to the students. Like, um, let's say, for example, lake affects snow. You use that um, to teach middle school um, kids in Michigan about lake affects snow. And you use those same concepts to teach about um, the effects of rain shadow in monsoon India. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I've definitely heard of those um, kind of those thinking routines. I've definitely seen that. And then something I was never good at bringing in consistently would be like um, the current event you know, having a day or having the beginning of class or whatever for current event topics. And then that can hopefully naturally help students make those connections. Thanks for listening to our show today. Please feel free to follow us on Twitter and send us a message at Bell Ringers Show. And you can ask some questions that you may have about the podcast or be featured as a listener question at bellringerspodcast at gmail.com alright thank you so much for listening and we hope to hear from you next time please rate and review uh, on your favorite podcasting app thank you bye bye